Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. I have two guests today, uh, Josiah Nelson, the CEO and Tirthak Saha, the co-founder and CTO of Trollisys. And the website is uh, Trollisys, it's T-R-O-L-Y-S-I-S.com. So guys, thanks for coming. How are you doing? Good. Thank you for having us. Um, we're doing really well and we're excited. Yeah, yeah. great to be here. Well, so tell me about uh, Trollisys. What's the premise of the company? Hello. Um, sorry, Trollisys yep. uh, is a company that is trying to fix a lot of problems with energy generation and energy storage. So um, at, at its core, I'll keep it brief, what, what we do and what we have built is a, a, you know, a hydrogen generator that uses aluminum as fuel. And though that may not sound that exciting, it's actually a 100% renewable way to make hydrogen and electricity with costs and um, efficiencies that are comparable to using fossil fuels, which is something that uh, hasn't really been seen or been cap- uh, done by any any other sort of technology. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what we're doing. And um, as of right now, we're uh, going through the process of uh, bringing the technology to market, and, and it's a really exciting time. So maybe, I'm sure all this is obvious too, but for listeners, it might not be. So what are the uses of hydrogen? And then we'll get into some more questions surrounding it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. So, um, oh, go ahead, to your thoughts. I can take that one. Yeah. So, um, hydrogen, it's it, it's kind of like the holy grail for renewable energy enthusiasts uh, like ourselves, and and it has been for quite some time. It's it's quite an excellent energy carrier, and uh, it's an excellent clean burning fuel, uh, which produces only um, water on on uh, burning it with oxygen. So, um, you know, hydrogen is definitely um the the promised future when we talk about renewable energy uh but the problem with hydrogen is in its production chain and so far uh the ways we have about uh, for uh, generating hydrogen is not clean it's not efficient and it's really costly so where trolysis came in is we have discovered a way to kind of take away those three main problems of producing hydrogen and making it an efficient fuel um, for use by consumers. And now uh, the hydrogen that we produce can pretty much be used for a variety of things. It can be used a- in direct additive processes for manufacturing uh, industries such as fertilizers, etc. Uh, it could be definitely be r- run through fuel cells to produce energy for um, transportation, right? And, uh, and or powering any and all um, uh, industries that require uh, energy, um, and it does so in a clean and efficient way. Um, it it's okay. also a huge um, benefit to be uh, you know to use hydrogen as an energy storage mechanism because uh, of the high uh, energy carrying capacity of hydrogen uh, itself. So all right, so how is hydrogen currently uh, created? What are some of the main processes? Oh, um, so yeah, so I, I can take that. Um, okay, go ahead. So, yeah, right now, hydrogen is mainly uh, 90 to 95% of the hydrogen that 
uh, is used uh, across the world is produced by splitting hydrocarbon chains from fossil fuels. Uh, specifically, um, what they do is a process called steam methane reformation, uh, in which they take natural gas and they reform it to uh, break it into its constituent uh, molecules, and out of that comes hydrogen. Um, and the other main uh, uh, process of, of uh, generating hydrogen is um, uh, water splitting through electrolysis, where they run uh, an electric current through water and they split it into its constituent hydrogen and oxygen elements. Um, both are incredibly expensive, and uh, the natural gas one is directly, uh, obviously, burning fossil fuels and creating um, yeah, carbon emissions, uh, but the uh, so-called renewable side of things, which is uh, electrical water splitting, uh, you have to also think about how, how and where the electricity to generate the hydrogen is being created from. Most of it is still being taken off the grid, which, you know, burns fossil fuels to create that electricity. So um, the, the source of that is still dirty, and it's still not technically 100% renewable, uh, a renewable way of producing that hydrogen. So, yeah, water splitting through electrolysis and uh, steam methane reformation of natural gas are the two leading uh, methods of producing hydrogen today. How much demand is there for hydrogen? Is it, can you express it in metric tons or megatons or what's the U.S. demand, for instance, or worldwide demand? Uh, yeah, so the U.S. demand, if I'm remembering correctly, is right there around 90 billion metric tons per year. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> Yeah, it's there's a ton, and and a, a vast majority of it is used by industrial applications, like Chirthak was mentioning before, uh, you know, like factories, additive manufacturing processes, and things like that. A very small sliver of it goes to the the sort of more glamorous things of like fuel cells and uh, hydrogen vehicles and and things of that nature. So uh, we're looking to, or rather, our technology looks to solve a huge problem because electrolysis, even though it is more renewable and, and even though it's not completely renewable, it's not very scalable and, and it's extremely, extremely expensive on the order of around $10 per kilogram to produce via electrolysis. And it's notoriously unreliable. So that's a really nice benefit of our system. It's extremely high reliability, it's scalable, so it can it can produce that high volume, which is a huge, huge factor. And we can do produce it for uh, around a fifth of the cost of what solar electrolysis or regular, regular electrolysis uh, would cost. So, so those are, you know, huge, uh, and, and I know you probably get this a lot, but those are, are true game changers for this uh, industry because there's so much demand and right now there's no renewable way to meet it. Well, tell me about your process. You know, I know part of it's proprietary, but the parts you can tell me, and why is it renewable versus others? Yeah, absolutely. So aluminum is actually not really thought of this way, but it's a really, really potent energy carrier. Uh, there, there's a lot of energy stored in aluminum, and, and if you were to go ask 10 people on the street, nine of them would, would tell you that it's probably, you know, if, if you say, what what is aluminum used for? Engine blocks in cars or soda cans or, or any host of a million things. But very few people realize that it's actually a really, really strong energy medium. So what our process does is it strips aluminum of a very fine barrier that is naturally present. Uh, it's, it's aluminum oxide. It's a very, very thin barrier, about four nanometers thick. And this barrier is what prevents it from reacting with water in everyday use. That's why your soda cans don't explode on the shelf and, and all sorts of other stuff. 
so when you strip it of this barrier, you are basically able to capture that stored energy by dropping it into water. And what it does is it oxidizes. So in the same way that fire oxidizes by pulling oxygen out of the air, this aluminum oxidizes by pulling oxygen out of water. And so all that's left over is hydrogen. So you get aluminum oxide and pure hydrogen from just water. So that's the, the sort of core of our process. And, and there's a little bit more nuance than that, but essentially uh, you, you, you strip this barrier from aluminum, drop it in water, and then hydrogen comes off. And it's, it's just that simple. Uh, and, and it's really, really fascinating. And, and uh, you know, I, I say this to a lot of people and all the time, but every time I see this reaction happen, it's just, you know, this violent bubbling and, and I get a smile from ear to ear. I'm like a little kid every time I see it because it's just so cool. It's, it's like magic. You, you would never really believe that if you drop some aluminum into water, it would make hydrogen. But when you see it before your eyes, it's actually a, a really, really, really cool process. Yeah, that's really interesting. How did you guys uh, discover this process or is it one that you read about in books and just hasn't been scaled up from the bench yet? So, a, so yeah, a little... I'll, I'll start. I'll start that answer off from my end because my uh, contribution to the initial discovery period is less than Josiah's, and then Josiah can pick it up and tell you his story. Um, I had been working on 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 uh, figuring out ways to make hydrogen production um, uh, more efficient, like a number of years ago, almost. Uh, four to five years ago, um, still back when I was in India. But at that point, I was working with uh, other types of electrical uh, electrolysis, chemical electrolysis processes, and this was all theoretical. Um, but then, you know, when Josiah and I um, met up through mutual friends and our mutual interest in renewable energy, and we started talking, uh, he told me that he had been working on something that, uh, a process that he has found to actually work. And again, like I said, uh, you know, this is the holy grail of the hydrogen enthusiasts. So uh, I was very taken with it. So I'll, I'll let Josiah tell you his side of the story now. Yeah. So uh, to, to sort of uh, prequel that story, as it were, uh, I actually discovered the the reaction or the the sort of underlying core technology completely by accident. I was doing research on energy, but it was for a completely different project. Uh, and and part of what I was doing had actually uh, in, inadvertently stripped this barrier from aluminum. So I went to go rinse out my implements and there was this big bubbling reaction. And, and so I went and did some research and looked into what that was. And the reaction itself is something that has been very widely known since, uh, you know, around the sixties. It's something that's been, uh, pretty well researched, but it's never really gotten out of laboratories, um, except for a few, uh, exclusions or a few exceptions. So I sort of, was like, okay, why is nobody doing this? What's wrong with it? And and I just sort of picked it up just to sort of see what, uh, in, you know, in my own words, what were the problems with this? Why was nobody taking this up? Because it was such an interesting way of producing hydrogen. And uh, pretty quickly after doing some research, I realized not very many people had tried. And those that tried sort of, and not to sound cocky, but they went about it the wrong way. Uh, you know, they went after... Uh, the wrong markets or they went after markets that it wasn't really suited for initially without giving it some time to sort of um, stretch its legs, as it were, and, and do a lot of development on it. So I sort of was just working on it, uh, you know, building a, a system to harness this reaction, because if you think of the sort of chemical reaction of just dropping aluminum in water or, or treated aluminum rather in water as lighting gasoline on fire, what is building is akin to the internal combustion engine. So it's 
you know, vastly more complex than just a, a simple reaction. And so that was sort of what I started out or set out to build. And uh, I met Tirthak shortly into this, uh, you know, a couple of years after I sort of started doing this research just on the side. And uh, about a, a little over a year and a half ago now, I would say, it got to the point where it was that the technology was very, very solid. And, um, you know, that that's when we started Trialysis as, as a company and started really working on it a lot more heavily. So that's sort of the, the origin of the technology. But it, it, it is something that has been widely known and accepted as the chemical reaction, but nobody has really taken it out of the laboratory and out of theoretics and put it into a market scenario. So it's renewable because you start with aluminum oxide, which is passive. You strip off the oxide. Now it's reactive. You put it in water. It turns back to aluminum oxide and you liberate the hydrogen. Then you can reuse the aluminum oxide, right? Right. Uh, so it starts off as aluminum and you strip the aluminum oxide barrier. So the aluminum oxide is just sort of uh, stripped off the top you're still left with elemental aluminum, and then it converts into aluminum oxide. And the way that aluminum is actually made is through what's, and, and I'll keep this brief, but it's through the, what's called the Bayer process. So you go mine bauxite ore out of the ground, which, can, which contains alumina by about 30%. You refine it, refine it, refine it, and get it to basically pure alumina. And, and there's a lot of problems with that, like toxic red mud and, and all sorts of terrible byproducts of that mining process. But anyways, to all that mining and, and to get alumina out of the ground, there's really no elemental aluminum uh, around it. You have to get aluminum oxide or alumina. Uh, that goes into what's called the Hall-Herolt process. And so essentially what, what our system produces as a byproduct is obviously hydrogen and then that aluminum oxide. So you're basically getting what you would get if you mined aluminum out of the ground. And then you put it through the Hall-Herolt process and then it turns back into aluminum and you can reuse it again. So there's one extra step than that. It's, it's not a perpetual motion machine, unfortunately. We, we certainly wish it was, but um, yeah, it is fully renewable because the, the aluminum, as it were, can last forever. It, it can be reused again and again. It's 99.9% .9 recoverable. So I guess not quite forever, but theoretically forever. Well, what, what's taking off the oxide of the aluminum and what, you know, what is it bonding to and what kind of waste product do you create there? So there's actually no waste product. Uh, the, the process that we use to treat it, treat it is unfortunately proprietary, but um, it's completely inert. So you're not producing any byproducts and, and all the input materials from this process are completely recoverable at the end. Uh, it's just some uh, you know, nice filtration systems in the system itself to, to make sure we're getting all of the inputs back. But there's no additional byproducts beyond aluminum oxide and hydrogen, except for, you know, very, very trace elements in like the water and, and very, very minor trace things. All right. So what industries are the first um, beneficiaries of the hydrogen that you're making? You know, where, like where are you at? Are you now selling the, the virgin hydrogen to industries and which ones and you know, where are you at on the path? Yeah, so right now we are in the middle or towards the end of a, a fundraise to sort of begin piloting larger scale versions of our technology. It's been tested and vetted in smaller scale, but uh, now we're in the process of scaling it up and um, put, placing pilot systems. And initially, the first sort of beneficiaries, as it were, are going to be industry. So uh, think of manufacturing facilities, um, CNI types of things, but Basically, uh, facilities that are already using hydrogen are going to sort of, uh, you know, tap into our system. And, and that's another really nice thing. 
with our technology, it doesn't have to be transported. It can produce it right on site. So you place one of our units and then it's right outside the factory doors, as it were, and it can just tap into the existing flow into the facility to be used with very little um, adaptation to the existing, um, you know, sort of line in, as it were. But anyways, um, initially we're going after like manufacturing facilities where they're going to be using a ton of hydrogen and they need extremely high reliability because, you know, some of the challenges to bringing this and, and getting people to, for lack of a better term, wrap their head around and, and be comfortable with hydrogen is to show, and, and rather our technology as it relates to hydrogen, is to show that it can perform extremely well in these environments where it's going to be used nearly 24-7. It's going to need extremely high reliability. It needs extremely high purity. There's a lot of elements that uh, we're using industry as a proving ground for, in addition to this solves the most headaches for them, at least initially. So, so that's sort of where we're going after initially. Then after that, we're looking at hydrogen refueling stations for vehicles. Uh, we were talking with the California Fuel Cell Partnership recently. There's a huge expansion of uh, refueling stations all across America, California, and Australia, and, and you know the eastern seaboard of um, Asia. And so that's another really interesting thing because right now the cheapest you can really make uh, on-premises hydrogen for for these refueling stations is like 10 bucks a kilogram. And we can come in at like two, for example, that's that's game changing just by itself, just from the cost metric. So there's a lot of uh, headaches that we can solve. And those are the sort of the first two we're going after. Well, if, um, if I run a manufacturing plant and um, does that change my legal requirements if I become a hydrogen generator because of your system versus just having a truck to me? Is there any additional legal responsibility I have? Nope, absolutely not. Uh, being that you're using it yourself, right now, actually, about 40% of the hydrogen used in America is produced by the same facility. So um, there, there's two types of hydrogen in, in the wider market. There's captive and merchant. And those are the two broad categories. Captive means that you'll have you know facility A and facility B right next door to each other. Facility A produces hydrogen as a byproduct. Facility B uses it in its process. Uh, and then the, the merchant side is, you know, you go and buy it, which is the, the, the side that we're going after. So there, there are no real additional legalities to it uh, beyond, um, you know, we have to get our technology certified by certain regulatory bodies. But that's something that we do from a, a, a product standpoint in the same way that Apple goes and gets their phones you know, uh, certified for CE and, and FCC and all those sorts of things. It's something that we have to do so they are able to do it without any additional worries. It's, it's essentially, they don't have to worry about anything beyond the fact that they're getting a pipe out of the system. Everything before that pipe out of the system is is sort of on us, our worry. No, that's great. That's excellent. So your business model is to sell the black box that makes this stuff, or is it to do that and have like a, maybe a subscription service for the aluminum that you sell to them too? Or you know, how does it yep, work? Yep. Yeah, it's, it's sort yeah, of like that. So, Go ahead. Oh, no, I you, you can jump in. But uh, yeah, I was basically going to say that, uh, you know, Josiah and I often compare to the Keurig model, uh, where you sell the Keurig machine uh, as, a, as a one-time sale, and then you supply the, the K-cups, or in our case, the, the you know, um, the 
treated aluminum cartridges to them to produce hydrogen however much they need, uh, whether that be in consultation with them or through some intelligence, local intelligence put on the field in the black boxes, as it were. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that's the recurring revenue that we would get from the sale of our specially treated aluminum. And uh, there would be the one-time um, sale of the uh, machine, the, the the internal combustion engine, as it were, uh, that would be stationed on premise. And to uh, to very, expound on that good. just a little bit, um, the the model that, or rather, the the reason we landed on that model is in these uh, CNI sort of environments where it's you know very very um, solidified in how they do things. They're they're a lot of times risk and change averse. We're basically charging for the hydrogen that the system puts off instead of charging for the aluminum. So it's much simpler if on their bill, they see you produce this many kilograms of hydrogen at this contracted rate, so this is the total amount due. Uh, that's much simpler to digest, and, and it's something that they'll already have a line item for on their budget. So that's something that's much more easily digestible to them that we've found after you know asking them, basically. So that's, but yeah, the tier talk hit the nail on the head. That's sort of what our model looks like. All right, very good. So, what's the um, what's the best way for people to find out more and to um, to talk to you about getting a machine in their uh, in their space? Well, the best way is uh, to go to our website. We have uh, an email list, which a lot of people think just goes into oblivion, but uh, you know, we we really do put out updates and let people know exactly what's going on uh, with the development roadmap. And then beyond that, you can of course just shoot us an email. My email is open and accessible, josiahatrawlassist.com. I read every email. So we're, we're very easy to get a hold of, uh, very easy to, to work with, and uh, very responsive to inquiries and questions and all sorts of things. So uh, yeah, the, the best way, we've got social media, the website, or, or just shoot an email. Yeah. And uh, on top good. of that, we also encourage other people in the renewable energy space uh, to if they just want to share ideas or you know have a discussion, uh, just a general discussion, we welcome that as well uh, because you know we we firmly believe that it's not a competition between renewables. Uh, so if someone from the solar side of the business wants to come and talk to us about something, we greatly appreciate that as well. We do believe that we all have to work together to um, you know launch the renewable energy uh, revolution, as it were, uh, in the next phase of this. The century. So. Very good. Well, guys, thank you for coming. And the website is trollisis, T R O L Y S I S dot com. So thanks for coming. Great. Thanks for having us. Thank, thank you for having us. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.